Hello, my name is Sam and I run the animation club here at Tape Music and Film. Due to these crazy times, I've moved the animation club online. I have used this opportunity to get some live Q&As with animation professionals. I have decided to turn the past Q&As into podcasts. Today's guest is animator Randy Boyan. Round two of the uh, Q&A double bill today. Uh, we're joined by animator Randy Boyan. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll ask some questions. Okay, I am Randy Boyum. I'm in Denver, Colorado in the USA. If you've not heard of Colorado or Denver. Uh, I've been animating for over 30 years now and uh, done probably 50 some projects over those years. And sometimes they were for me, sometimes they were for clients and it just kind of depends on what popped up in my face or what I felt like doing. But uh, I've only worked in clay, except for one film that I did was a paper cutout stop motion animation, mm. which took me a year to do that particular film. But uh, beyond that, clay is what I do, and it's all there right behind me. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot of the animation club work with clay, um, so I'm hoping a lot of those are tuning in uh, for some advice. Um, yeah, I, I watched through, uh, as you recommended, I watched through the, the playlist Oh, did you? Yes, the, the paper cutout one. I know which one you mean. That was that was really nice. Um, was that one? Is that one of your stories or that a client come to you for that one? No, that was mine. It's really nice. It's really okay. good. So um, I, I was finding it like it's really good and really funny. And then there's I won't spoil it for anyone, but there's the point where you just go, oh, <laughs> and just yeah. there's you sort of thing like, oh, okay. Um, I, I, I waffled back and forth on that point in the storyline, and I'm like, yeah. I do this, but I did it. So yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. It's the kind of film that eventually I'd like to create something like that. I'd love to create a film that can spark an emotion in someone that powerfully. I think it's. Oh. I mean, I, 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 it's one of those that I yeah watched it, and you could you could feel it. So. Oh, that's really nice to hear. I haven't haven't gotten much feedback at all on that particular yeah. film. It's called Blue Jays. If anybody Blue wants Jays, to that's the one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I, I write music, and and uh, so I sat down. It took me a good well, it was about six weeks to write the story, and then it took three months just to write the background music that goes with it. But it's it's very specific. The music is to that piece to enhance the visuals that are going on. So. It was a lot of fun. Brilliant. Was it? Was it a big? Um, was it just that you decided to move on to a different medium for that one, or like a, a challenge for? Yeah, you? yeah. I, I, you know, worked in clay forever and ever, and uh, clay gets a little, I don't know, for lack of a better word, tiresome mm. because of all the repairs. You constantly are re, re sculpting and fixing things because when you when you raise a, a puppet's arm the clay underneath the armpit does, doesn't go with it. It's mm -hmm. so it tears and there's a hole and you have to actually re-sculpt constantly when you're, when you're moving a clay character around. The clay, of course, is very bendable and it, it'll follow your moves to a point. But once you move past a point, you're gonna get tears and rips and, and or dents from your, your fingers and thumbs as you're pushing on the clay. And so there's a lot of constant repair when you're doing clay animation. 
And so doing paper was just something I thought, you know, I won't have to fix stuff all the time, though I wound up having to cut out a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. So was it done on a multiplane or on one? No, level? no, it was just a, a single sheet uh, standing upright. Mm -hmm. um, I, I built just a little rack that that uh, was a piece of glass, and on the on the front side of it, I put uh, a piece of diffusion. And then on the back side, it was just smooth glass with one one light behind it pointing at the glass. And then I used double stick scotch tape. And I cut out all the little, and I actually, even though they're silhouette, I use black construction paper. Mm. And then I put a little tiny piece of tape on that and stick it to the back of the glass and uh, do a lot of motion and stuff. And you know, uh, a lot of it was quite simple, one character moving around, but the guy lands in the ocean at one point and, and in a river and boy, did that take a long time to move every single little stripe of water and, and such. And so very, it was also very time consuming, but at least I didn't have to re-sculpt stuff all the time. So yeah. it, was, it was a fun piece, but then I was glad to get back to clay after that. <laughs> it's good to try something outside of the, yeah. the norm, isn't it? To have a yeah. Who are your inspirations for uh, animation? Well, initially, of course, it was Ray Harryhausen back in the 70s. And mm. uh, all the monster movies, my brother and I would just drool every time we saw one of those coming up in the TV guide. Because you had to watch stuff now on TV or you missed it, period. There was mm. no option. And yeah. so we'd just get so excited when Jason and the Argonauts was popping up to play or just, you know, any of the uh, Sinbad movies or anything like that. But then uh, I went there. There used to be in theaters animation collections. There was animation celebration. There was Spike and Mike's twisted animation series that would pop up in movie theaters. And uh, I would always go to those whenever I could find them and, and, and uh, check them out. And one year I went and there was this piece called A Grand Day Out from Ardman Animations there in England. And I was blown away by what this guy could do with with clay and uh he really really kind of sparked a fire under me i i saw him i believe that was in 89 or 90 and that was right about the time where i was getting uh re-interested in it i dabbled in animation when i was about 12. my brother uh got into it first and showed me how to do it and so i did your typical 12 year old animations with clay balls rolling around on a tabletop and things like that but uh uh eventually learned how to do it a little bit better so how, how did you get started with animation then so um in 1989 i was a limousine chauffeur working for a company and one day uh one of the <clears throat> the only other uh chauffeur that i worked with showed up one day and said last night i found an old super 8 movie camera and film projector in my closet I didn't even know I had. Do you know anybody who wants it? And I, I said, I'll take it. And that summer I just shooting on super eight millimeter did did a few more little clay balls rolling around. But I actually even did a film where I covered a G.I. Joe doll with clay to see, you know, how I could move that around. And I had a ball doing that that summer, but didn't really still know what I was doing. And uh, one day my mom called me in a panic and said, turn on Channel 4 News. I'm like, oh, okay. And there was a story about a local company here in Denver called Lost Leader Productions uh, who did clay animation. And I immediately wrote down all their information and uh, 
contacted them and wound up being able to hang out with them and just watch for a while. And, uh, you know, I'd been over there several times. And one day the, the, the director was like, well, do you want to do something? I said, oh, okay. And he handed me a small board and he said, cover this with clay. I said, okay. And uh, from, from that point on, I was helping them uh, more and more all the time. And uh, working at that studio is where I learned how to make these great wire armatures that I, I use underneath all my characters that work really well. And so uh, I worked with them for about five years. We, in that time, produced one tape, uh, a, a VHS tape called Classics in Clay, which had a series of 10 short films on it. <clears throat> and uh, say so we finished that up in 93, and the, the end of 93. And we, we got the tape out, and, and sales were starting to pick up. And then in March of 94, all of a sudden, our leader, who was named Mike Radaski and was this brilliant man, kind, wonderful, really cool and smart guy, was killed in a car accident. And it shut down the company and it shut down that project and the tape just wound up sitting on a shelf and the sales stopped. And that was the end of all that. And uh, about the same time, I started working as a video production uh, manager for a local corporate company doing corporate video production. But uh, they had professional edit gear. And one day I was wondering if I could hook a camera up to one of these editing decks and see if I could shoot animation live straight onto videotape and be able to see it immediately. Because prior to that, I've always been shooting on film. And just you hit click, 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 you know, and, and hope for the best. And it's, you know, three weeks to three months before you actually see the footage when you develop a, a reel of film. And uh, being able to shoot live directly onto uh, videotape was a remarkable game changer. And I could see what I was doing immediately. And so that, that was uh, really cool. And I, I started doing a lot more uh, projects straight onto videotape. Yeah. Chris Bryant says hi. Glad to see you. <laughs> hi, Chris. How you doing? Um, and we've got Rian Lohman. Uh, she's an animator over in America as well. She's um, she was our first Q and A. Yes, she loves seeing the posts that you post onto the stop motion groups. Oh, I love those as well. The uh, comedy of those are brilliant. Um, oh. Your characters inspired by people you know. She's asking. Uh, okay, yeah, those are my clay enemies, is what I call them. My, my little bills. They're yeah. I, started calling them and I actually posted number 99 just recently I'm almost up to 100 of those things so but uh, characters inspired the only character that is inspired by real life that I, I I've done would be this guy and only vaguely inspired this is Otley Hagerstad and he is uh, the main character for my group of characters called the Hoovies which is short for Scandahoovians because my background is Norwegian. And so uh, uh, I've done four short shorts. I mean, the longest one is two and a half minutes long and it's the, uh, the kayaking piece, if anybody has seen that. But um, um, aside from that, I also sculpted John Madden. Here's Ed Sullivan. All three of these pieces were done specifically for a client uh, here in Denver who uh, had me do this one and the Dolly Parton one for a man named Terry Fader. Terry Fader is the ventriloquist, the remarkable, remarkable guy who uh, 
uh, won America's Got Talent the first year. He's this uh, ventriloquist that sings with his dolls and does like spot on imitations of, of singers. And he won the show. And when he won America's Got Talent, he, he got a, a gig in Vegas for five years doing shows that in a room that was built just for him and his shows. And uh, they contacted me and had me do I guess it was just the two pieces for him, Dolly and Ed Sullivan, as short little clay pieces that introduced his next ventriloquist puppet on stage. So the people in the audience would see these clips on the big screens uh, during the introduction, and then he'd pull out that next puppet. And uh, that was that was really cool. I never actually got to go see the show, but I had friends who saw it. Uh, went went to Vegas and saw saw Terry Fader's show and said it was great, and they saw the, the clips air on on the little screens so it was a lot of fun saying that was fun um what's your favorite project that you've worked on what's your favorite either project you've worked on or film you've created <laughs> i got a couple of them but i would say i always fall back on um how to survive a bear attack mm -hmm. that was a, a really fun and weird little film that i did for uh, a, a website called howcast.com that has how-to videos on, I mean, literally everything. They probably got 100,000 videos. You can you can ask, how do I tie my shoes? And there's a video for that. And uh, they contacted me out of the blue. And this was in, I'm thinking, 07, 06, maybe. And uh, they they contacted me initially and just said, we'd love for you to do something for us. What Would you have any ideas? And And I couldn't think of anything initially. And they said, how about doing how to survive a bear attack? And I said, I kind of like that idea, you know? So they sent me a script that was serious. That was, okay, these are the real things you're supposed to do when encountering a bear in the woods. And then I, you know, they wanted me to add humor. And so I, I uh, said, how about if the bear rips this guy's head off? And then I back up the film to the point where he, you know, just before he did something wrong, and the narrator explains what you're supposed to do, and then I'll, I'll move forward from there until he makes another mistake, and then the bear rips his head off again. And so I did that over and over throughout this this uh, film, and I, I to this day, I really enjoy that film, and I, I had a lot of fun doing some really cool camera moves uh, within that, that uh, film as well, and even had somebody comment one day, that it's almost like the camera is a third character that's just hanging out and watching, you know, and I, never even occurred to me to think about that while I was shooting it, but I went back and looked at it after that comment and thought, yeah, that's kind of, kind of true, but it, it's a, a fun and, and pretty funny little film. I, I enjoyed that. You do do some really cool camera moves on your animation stuff. I found is because uh, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? Um, with camera moves and stop motion. They, they can be tricky. Uh, I worked at Will Vinton studios back in 1999 and uh, was really spoiled by a lot of the stuff that they had, the gear, you know, they had motion control units where you hit a frame and then the camera automatically moves on this. It was a big, huge piece of gear taller than me that had an arm on it that, that moved, you know, uh, according to a pre-planned plot within the, the program. Um, but when I got home, I, I don't have such budget and I don't have access to things like that. And so I developed a way of doing camera moves <clears throat> that are, I do them really quick. Mm. They're all pretty much six moves in 12 frames. I shoot in twos. 
And yeah. so um, I, I, I'll shoot the last frame before the camera move. And then I'll, I'll actually move the camera to the final frame where I want to land. And I make marks. Well, I, I used to work on just a small, you know, regular glass monitor. It was a TV. And I had a, a wax pencil. And I would literally write marks on the, the screen as to, you know, this is where this is going to end and this is where it began. And then I would make hash marks, six of them in between. And uh, <clears throat> since then, I, I started working with uh, Stop Motion Pro, the software. And they've got a, a part of the software you can make marks on the screen. And so I, had to, I was able to stop drawing on my actual monitor. But uh, I, I've set them all up so they are literally six moves done in 12 frames. So the camera move, for the most part, sometimes they're longer, but for the most part only lasts basically a half a second. Mm. And I get there, bam. And when you're moving something that large, you know, in stop mo, the eye just follows it, you know, and, and you just make sure that there isn't, you know, that the head of the character doesn't, you know, move up and down within those six frames. You make sure it's moving on a nice straight line. And the human eye just follows the motion and you're there and, and it, it looks really quick and smooth because it's so fast. That's a nice trick and a nice tip for how to do that. Everyone's going to be drawing on their screens at home now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we use, uh, what do we use now? We use Stop Motion Studio on the iPads here, but we've also got Dragon Frame and it's got that sort of thing on it where you can create a line and oh. intervals. Um, I created for a scene I was doing where the background, I was doing a boat moving along. Uh, so I kept the boat stationary and I'd recorded the background separately. But what I used for that was a, it was an old arm that you'd put on the ceiling for a projector to go on. Oh, sure. Just where the projector went. So I've taken that down, turned it upside down, and I put loads of marks about five millimeters apart to do it. And yeah, it took about 10 minutes to animate. <laughs> Just a, a little few seconds of, yeah. but yeah, that was a, it's, it's, I love the stories and, the problem solving and the creating these these ways around things in in animation it's yeah yeah when i do the camera move it's it's not just the marks on the screen i also do marks on my set and if you look at mm -hmm. the surface of the set uh it's it's to where i slide the, the tripod and so mm -hmm. there's there's six marks on the screen and there's six marks literally on on the surface of my set if you <laughs> If I showed you a shot of the set, there's just a thousand marks all over the place. And I have to get creative because they're all still there. And when mm -hmm. I'm doing a new move, I got to make sure I'm not going to jump to some old thing. So I'll, yeah. I'll do a circle or I'll make a little snowman or I'll make an X or I'll set X with a circle. I've got just different marks so I know which which moves I'm, I'm currently working on. So. And that sounds like the kind of thing I do is to keep the marks there and have to keep adding to them. Uh, Rian's asking what problem projects did you work on at Vinton Studios? When I was uh, working as the video production manager at, at this corporate house, uh, Image Audio Visuals, I had done a few pieces, a couple for clients, but a lot of my own work uh, using this uh, video system, you know, be able to, to see the animation immediately. But while I was working there, I actually had subscribed to Animation Magazine and uh, an ad popped up one day in Animation Magazine that said, we need animators in Portland at Will Vinton Studios. And to me, Will Vinton was this like magical, mystical, distant place that, that you know, uh, weird and amazing things came from. And just as a lark, I sent them a, a reel, a VHS tape, and thought, yeah, well, you know, 
they'll laugh at this. And that, that tape actually had my film called Fast Food, mm. which I had done for that Classics and Clay collection back at Lost Leader Productions. And uh, it had that plus, you know, several of the dorky little things that I had, had done at uh, my corporate job. And uh, mailed that tape off, and, and out of the blue, I get this call one day. I, I came home from work, and there was a message on my machine from Well Vinton Studios saying, give us a call, and I just about lost my mind. And, of course, it was after working hours when I got the message, so I had to wait till the next day. But uh, I called, uh, was, the woman's name was Lori Kingston, this delightful blonde that worked at, at Vinton Studios. And when I called and said, this Randy Boyum, uh, returning your call, there was a long pause. And the first words out of her mouth was, why aren't you already working here? And I was just blown away by that. And uh, they, they flew me out uh, in April of 99 uh, to do a screen test for the TV show um, Gary and Mike, which was just starting uh, going into production uh, back then in, in 1999. And... They hired me to work for six months. It was it was just six months as an animator on the TV show Gary and Mike, which was a new stop motion sitcom being produced for Fox. Uh, and their their Sunday night lineup, you know, they had the Simpsons and Family Dog, and you know a bunch of, but it was their animation block. And we went into production. I I moved packed up, moved out there temporarily. I just rented an apartment, held onto my condo in Denver because I knew I was coming back, but. Uh, Moved out there and worked on, on the first six episodes uh, through, it was for six months through the end of November of 99. And then I packed it up and, and moved back to Denver. But it, it was the most remarkable experience to work at a, a large studio like that. There was about 100 people that worked on Gary and Mike. Uh, there were 20 animators. And all the rest of them, there were whole departments. There was the puppet department. There was the sets department. There was the painting department. There was the lighting guys, the camera guys, all these different groups of people working together to put together this, this amazing, amazing thing that we did. And it was really weird because right as soon as we finished it, while we were shooting it, uh, there was a new president that took over Fox Network. And he didn't like cartoons. And so after we finished this, you know, ep this thing, and I heard that it was about a million dollars an episode for the Gary and Mike shows, which were, you know, half hour sitcoms. And that was a crazy amount of money to spend on TV show back in 99. Um, <clears throat> but he, uh, he decided that they didn't want to show that, that show after we had done all that. So it was shelved. And uh, then it was about a year later, there was a channel that's now gone, but it was called UPN. And uh, UPN picked up Gary and Mike, and they wanted another seven more episodes for a block of 13 uh, to uh, begin airing, airing this show. So it, about a year after I had come back to Denver, I got another call from Will Benton Studios who said, could you, you know, you want to come back and do it again, another six months? And the thing was, is after I had left Will Vinton and came back to Denver, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just going to be a freelance corporate camera guy or something. But my old boss at Image Audio Visuals called me up like a month after I had gotten back to Denver and said, one of our main clients wants to do a short film about a boardroom meeting gone horribly wrong. 
And I said, okay, I don't have any gear or anything. I don't know how I would shoot this, but the budget was big enough for me to go buy gear. And so with no intention of doing so, this project fell out of the sky, landed in my lap, and I wound up uh, having a little animation studio in my home. And that's how it all started back here. So then uh, I, I finished that first film, which was called 10.04 AM. I've since changed it to a boardroom meeting gone horribly wrong at 10.04 AM. And it's one of the first pieces on my uh, channel. But uh, I finished that project, took me about, that one only took me about six weeks, surprisingly. I, I was kind of under a, a deadline and, and had to push myself through it quickly. But uh, <laughs> the next projects that I had right after that were a group of, of ads for convenience stores selling generic products, have a hot dog, have some iced tea, have, you know, various things. And so I was in the middle, I was only on like project number three of 10 when Will Vinton called me and said, come back to, to uh, Portland. And I was like, I would so love to do that again, but I, I, I'm on a contract and I'm already working here at home. So I had to skip part two of the Gary and Mike uh, shoot. But uh, it, it kind of you know kept me busy and I, I ha had uh, worked for about almost two years straight, right, right away from 2000 when I got back to Denver. And then clients dropped off and I did some of my own things. And then every once in a while, a new client would pop up and, and do it again. And so, I've I've been on and off busy for the last twenty one years now. It's, it, I suppose that's good that you've been able to get your own projects done yeah. in amongst that as well. I saw that you got an award. Was it an award or nominated for an award for the uh, extinct, extinction of up? Yeah, actually, um, um, that's been in seven film festivals now. But, uh, and the very first one that it was in was called Mountain Shadow Film Festival, mm -hmm. which was in Walnut Creek, California. And I actually took third place at that festival. That was very cool. And that was the, the very first one I was in and I won third place. Ha haven't won anything since, yeah. but I've been in seven festivals and the last one, which literally finished just this last Saturday um, mm -hmm. was the closing ceremonies. And I was nominated for the Will Vinton Award for Best Animation because Will Vinton was born and raised in that town of McMinnville, Oregon. It's like 40 miles southwest of Portland. Mm. And uh, so when I, I submitted to that one, I literally submitted to that because they had a Will Vinton Award. I thought that was really cool. Um, and, and then sure enough, I couldn't believe I was actually nominated for it. And uh, But there was a, a different film actually won the award, which was well-deserved. It's a it's an awesome little film called The Pig on the Hill. It's it's not stop motion either. It was a computer animated film, but delightful. It was really cool. Have you sent it over to any animation festivals over this way? I know that there's Manchester Animation Festival. I think that... I, I, I primarily stuck with the U.S. just because I was hoping to be able to go to some of these. 96 it was the california sun which is sun which stood for some university i can't remember what it was first that was the first year they did that <clears throat> and i actually went out there to that festival and there was i don't know 30 people in the audience you know it was this little brand new thing at a college um and i since then have never had another film that i've submitted to festivals i've had a, a couple i've made that i i could have but now with mm -hmm. the the internet uh, um it's really easy to submit to films. I mean, I, I uploaded it one time to this uh, site called Film Freeway and they've got, 
I don't know, 2,000 film festivals that you can submit to with a couple of clicks. And so I've submitted to, I don't know, 50 different festivals. And I've gotten a lot of rejections, but I've also gotten into seven festivals. And uh, I primarily have done the U.S. festivals because I really wanted to go and sit in a theater and, and yeah. experience a group of people watching a film because I haven't had that experience in, you know, 25 years. But uh, sure enough, COVID hit. And so I've been oh. in seven festivals and I've watched them all sitting in this chair right here. I, you know, haven't been able to actually see anything in a theater. But I do know that I've submitted to a couple overseas, you know, at least at least one in England, but I'm not sure which one it was. But Wilfred asking, uh, what what project did you most enjoy? We covered wow. it with the bear, didn't we? But is there any others that uh, spring to mind that you... Gosh, the, the, when anybody ever asked me that, I always wind up saying how to survive a bear attack. But I mean, actually working on that project, it had its own, you know, uh, that was one of the few times where I actually used cloth bodies on the characters instead of clay. Because I thought, you know, well, maybe I could try, you know, ha not having to do all this constant cleanup on the clay. But it turns out cloth has its own issues. You know, there's all kinds of fluttering stuff that goes on. If you touch that that cloth in any way, you get weird shaking and stuff from, you know, the, taking this individual frames. But um, <clears throat> I'm thinking that most recently that the projects I enjoyed the most were the series of four ads that I did for a company in Australia called uh, Aussie House Swap, where you trade houses with someone else to go on vacation. You know, we'll go to your place, you come to ours. Although... I don't think technically there's a lot of people actually two people trade. You just list your house. It's like an Airbnb, but it's for vacation. So anyways, the, uh, these four people here, the, uh, it's a family actually mom, dad, kid, and grandma. Uh, and I've, I've made an awful lot of my clay and memes using those, those characters, the behind the scenes shots from those. But uh, those were really, really fun to do. They were, uh, and having a relaxed, client helps a lot because I've had projects that were really stressful and that made the animation no fun because someone's breathing down my neck. But this guy was just awesome and totally relaxed and there's no deadline. And he was really funny. He wrote the scripts for all of those and uh, was just a delight to work with. And so um, I, I managed to just kind of peck my way through those with a real, you know, casual attitude and they all came out great. And he's, he, he loved them all, and they, they work really well for his purposes. So I'd have to say the Aussie House Swaps were probably my most recent favorite. And the, you've got a really – I love the sense of humor that's in your in your work. Um, so uh, as you said, the uh, you had a client that wrote the script for those. Uh, a lot of them, uh, like the who Hoobies, uh, is that, that's all your script writing? and Yeah, that's just, just my own nonsense. Yeah. And I actually wrote a feature film script for the Hoobies, as well as a you know a few little short films. And there's there's only four of them that I did. Two of them, the first two I did are like thirty seconds long, and then I did a one minute piece about the the gymnast Velvita Anya Sandovich, who's from Czechoslovakia, and that's that's the short film on my channel called uh, the Gymnast. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I actually was was a cameraman at Mile High Stadium, shooting for the, the Broncos 
and the the baseball team, the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies, started there. And so um, I, I ran cameras at at the stadium, and every once in a while they would show these little animated races of various things that the crowd could cheer for pick red green or blue you know and 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 it was just a, a bit of nonsense to kill time while there was a timeout going on on the field or, or whatever and so because of that and my connection to the people at the production in the stadium <clears throat> i did a uh, kayak race for the colorado rapids soccer team and it took me a year and a half to shoot the multiple versions of this kayak race where the little boaters are going down the river and they get swallowed by a monster or pulled underwater. And then all of a sudden they're back and they're racing again. And uh, I had all this great footage. <clears throat> and then by the time I got it done a year and a half later, the Rockies had zero interest in using it. And so uh, I, I put an awful lot of work into it. So I actually submitted that to various sports teams all over the country here in, in U.S., and uh, I did manage to sell it once to the New Orleans Saints, and they used it only a couple times during the games, and then they contacted me and said, the timing isn't right on this, and it's just a little too long. And there was really no way for me to shorten it and edit it, you know, so that it, it would work for their purposes. And I had no other uh, stadiums wanting to use the footage, and I'm sitting on this footage. It took me a year and a half to shoot, and I, I, I want to do something with this, so... That became my fourth Hoovies piece, Kayaks to the Max. Um, and I just shot additional footage of, of uh, Otley Hagerstad introducing the kayakers at the beginning and then shot the little uh, metal ceremony at the end of that particular film too and, and just used the footage that I had already shot to make short film. That, um, I think that's one of my favorite ones as well. The, yeah. And the well, the the gymnast. When I was watching them before the gymnast one, I just yeah, I couldn't stop laughing. Just the there she goes, and then <laughs> like what? Why, are you, why are you talking to me? I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you got that. I I so rarely yeah. hear feedback. I I never really know if what I'm doing is funny, if it works, or people roll their eyes and think it's stupid. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's brilliant, and the animes, and I love the behind the scenes stuff as well, like the how to build the set one that you've done recently, ah. the way that you've done it as well, animating that happening as well is, ah. is fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Those are fun to do too. You know, I just, uh, it, it, when I'm finished with one project and about to start another, I usually set up a camera and static and then I'll, I'll grab frames of, you know, the process of me tearing down an old set and putting up a new one. And, I've got a lot of lot more footage of that kind of stuff that I've never used. It's just sitting, in, you know, sitting in a file somewhere. But uh, a couple of them I was able to to use to make these little behind the scenes things, so that people can see a little bit of my process. I like the style as well in creating the set, where it's a lot of plasticine on board mm. to, to create the textures. It's it, like bringing it all together with the characters as well. Yeah. Is there any tips that you have for working with plasticine and um, whether it's characters or set or props well i i know that a lot of sculptors will actually you know okay i i use van aken uh, plasticine mm -hmm. which is a little spongy sometimes when you smooth the character it actually will rip little holes in it little tiny holes and you've really got to kind of work it and smooth it you know so i know that a lot of other 
uh, sculptors and animators actually mix other products into the clay to make it a little more friendly. But uh, I've done that a little bit in the past and it usually mutes the color or, or changes the, the feel of the clay or makes it more greasy so that it shines more under the light. And I don't care for that. And so I've just, over the last, it's been 30 years, I've been working uh, <clears throat> with, with the Van Aken and I've just learned how to deal with it and, and uh, make sure that I, you know, um, um, just just allow <laughs> a little extra time to make sure that things are smooth. But Van Aken, you can also melt in a in a pan on the stove set at the very lowest 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 setting because if you if you set it any higher than barely warm it'll burn and it'll smell and smoke and 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 ruin your life and your neighbor's lives as well it's just it's horrible <clears throat> so when you uh melt clay you got to keep an eye on it and and make sure that you're there at all times and then especially if you're mel mel melting dark brown clay it will look like a delicious bowl of melted chocolate it looks so yummy do not do not touch it it it's like french fry grease it's crazy hot and you will hurt yourself if you touch melted clay but uh to cover large surfaces like the the whole uh grassy area in the, behind uh the guys in the extinction of up was if, if you saw the the behind the yeah. scenes film you see me pouring out a, a pan full of of uh melted green clay to make the grass in the background and uh <laughs> once you once you pour it and then you know smear it down very quickly because it cools really fast once you pour it out and so uh uh you you pour it out and you use a you know palette knife of some kind to smear it around as quick as possible and then you've got palette knife marks in everything everywhere because it cools practically immediately and so it takes a long time you got to go through and hand smooth all that surface and then depending on what it's for you go back and texture it afterwards you know a lot of the walls in a lot of my sets uh are clay and and i've had to to uh go back with a fork just a fork and you know scrape scrape lines in it or or, or whatever um there have been some times where i built a set like behind the character in nostra doofus where i poured the, the melted clay on the wall laying the wall flat of course and uh just use the palette knife to smear it around and i kind of like the texture of the palette knife and so i just set up the wall i'm like that looks good let's go with that but uh uh over the years when i first started i really wanted to be a purist kind of like will vinton was when he first started and everything you see on the set is made of clay everything just make sure you know but since then i've kind of you know backed off on on that and and uh like for the aussie housewife pieces uh <laughs> the walls, the, the the carpeted floor in the hotel, it, they're just cloth. And, uh, you know, I, it's it's a lot quicker and easier. And plus, after 20 years or so of doing this here at home, all my walls kind of look the same. And I kind of wanted something a little little fancier, you know. And so I've, I've been able to make walls using, uh, you know, some, some nice pieces of cloth that got really cool prints on them and stuff like that. So I... I, I let go of the purest clay thing quite a while ago and just I, I'll use whatever. The melting the clay is quite an interesting way of of using it and I'm I'm quite happy you've mentioned how to do it properly because I <laughs> I actually tried <laughs> I tried it um I think it was last summer I I, I got all of the excess clay from here uh -huh. and I thought I'll just melt it all down. Whatever colour it becomes we'll just have 
tons of this thing. But my uh, my way of doing it was tip it all into this big metal bucket and stick it on a fire outside because I knew it smelled. <laughs> and, yeah, it sort of bubbled thick and then caught fire. And yeah, it was, <laughs> it was outside. Did you but, have to throw the pan away? Uh, well, it was a big old metal bin, but I um, I did attempt it first in a small pan on the hob, and my wife was not impressed. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <even> about the smell. <laughs> Well, I have always had electric stoves. Mm. I don't, I've never had, I think I had a gas stove. Actually, the only time I had one was when I lived in Portland. It's an it's a apartment I rented. I didn't do any animation while I was in Portland at, at my home. I did it, you know, at the studio. Yeah. But, um, so I honestly don't know if a burner, a gas burner with actual flames on a pan is a good idea at all. I really don't know how well that might work. I've always done it on an electric stove and you just put it on warm. So it, the, the burner's barely on. And I set a block of the, the clay in, in the pan and I, I walk away for half an hour and just, mm. you know, I'll set a timer to remind me you got something on the stove. But, um, and then I come back and stir it a little bit and it just very slowly melts when you do it, you know, on, on an electric stove on warm, you barely yeah. turn that thing on and it takes a long time to melt. But once it does, you got this great thing and you can pour it out and cover huge areas, you know, uh, very quickly. But, um, um, that's only Van Aken, that brand name only. I, I know, uh, when I worked at lost leader productions back in the nineties here in town, they tried to melt Roma, clay which is a wonderful clay that's got an incredible texture it's so smooth and creamy and really nice to work with do not melt roma clay it will immediately stink up your world and smoke and it's it's toxic as all got out so i i don't recommend melting any other brand besides van aiken at least i've never done it myself so i i don't know have you got anything in the pipeline now for a new project for a new film for yourself I, I don't. I've, I've had a couple of inquiries online um, for a couple different people uh, have asked me recently to do music videos and they've got $100. What can I get for $100? And I say, this conversation and that's about all. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I haven't had any clients uh, reach out to me lately and I'm so fine with that. If I get a client, that's great but I don't really care. I'm not pushing it. I, I'm not actively marketing anything. If someone shows up and, and wants something, they've got the right budget and the right attitude. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, I, I'd love to do something. But as far as, as my own stuff, I finished, my last film was The Extinction of Up, which I finished right a year ago. It was last uh, end of March or middle of March when I actually finished shooting <clears throat> the, the footage. And then it was March 13th, I woke up with what I believe was COVID. I, I woke up with a weird cold and strange feeling in my lungs. And uh, it luckily just kind of went away that same day. But uh, I, I stayed home from that day, March 13th for two months. And uh, because I was home, I was able to finish the post-production on the extinction of Up um really quickly i mean i thought it'd take me two or three months to get through the post but i did it in a couple of weeks because i was sitting at home and uh right, right after i finished that film my animation computer started doing a lot of weird things and not playing nice and so i, I needed to take it into the shop and i literally did that uh two weeks ago 
it, it sat for a year and I had no access to, to uh, animation computer. And I, I've gone through over the last 20 years, there have been several times where I didn't shoot anything for a year or two, or even I think I had a three year gap once just cause I didn't feel like it didn't, you know, wasn't into it and, and didn't have any great ideas, but eventually somebody's going to pop up and need something, or I'll have some idea pop up in my head that'll make me want to do it. And, uh, I, I'll, uh, <laughs> It's funny. I took that that computer into the shop a couple of weeks ago and spent quite a bit of money having them work on it. And I brought it back home and reloaded all my software, and it still doesn't work. It's still doing the same problems I had with it before I took it into the shop. So they obviously did not fix whatever is the problem. So currently, I have no way to shoot animation, but I will get that done relatively soon, and and hopefully. Uh, for the the two guys in, in uh, and they're sitting right there, uh, the two kids in in the extinction of up. Um, I had another little bit of nonsense that I was going to have them text back and forth to each other, mm. <clears throat> that didn't really fit into the flow of the story of that film, but I still kind of want to do it. So I'm thinking I might shoot a 30 second bit. That's yeah. it's really short, and it's just more nonsense with, with the kids texting back and forth to each other. But that's the only thing that's really leapt to mind lately that I, I'd kind of like to, to maybe dabble with. Uh, Steve Swindon's asking um, if you have any creative ambitions. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Um, actually, lately I've been writing. In the last year since I haven't been able to uh, animate and, and didn't really feel it, um, I've been writing a lot lately. I, I, I recently wrote a short story for a little online contest, which I really liked. I, I think it came out well. Um, dabbling in writing a book that, you know, will take me 10 to 40 years to get through. But it's a fun, fun idea. And so I, some days I'm really gung-ho and I'll write, you know, a couple thousand words in a day. And otherwise, uh, you know, I'll write a paragraph or two and then I walk away from it for a week or two or whatever. But uh I'm slowly hacking away at, at this really fun story that also has to do with the phone, but uh, I'm not going to reveal anything else about it. But uh, yeah, aside from that, no, I, I, I lately have been getting a little bit of the animation bug again and, and kind of wanting to get going. Hence, that's why I took my computer in to have it worked on and that didn't happen correctly. So, but uh, soon I may be able to dive back into doing a little animation because an awful lot of my projects are no budget. Um, I do the, the voices myself for a lot yeah. of my stuff. Um, but you know, for the ones that like for, uh, the Rudolph spoof that I did for Larry, the cable guy, they sent me a, a soundtrack. You know, I, I never got to meet him. He's in Hollywood or wherever, but, uh, the producers I was working with for that piece were local here in Denver. And so they, they talked with him and got a, a recorded soundtrack that I brought home. And then I uh, uh, would just hand write out the, the, you know, the lip sync dialogue necessary for the project. And <clears throat> so I wouldn't really listen to the audio within stop motion pro. I had it all written out. I'm, I'm just animating and changing the mouths as necessary. And when I'm done with a shot, I export it out and dump it into Premiere Pro, which is the editing program I've always used. And that's where I drop the soundtrack in 
and watch it live at full speed with the audio to see how well it's going. And that's always worked great for me. I, I've just done it that way.